podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. For Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, today we are talking about a race with our name in the title. We'll explain why and the various iterations it's had over the years. And generally, we'll talk about some historic stuff as well. We'll get into our guests. First of all, our group national editor, Stephen Licorice. Uh, thank you for joining us back on a podcast here at wonderful wonderful Silverstone today. Although the track's gone a bit quiet. I think everyone's getting their lunch right Yeah, now, it's gone a bit quiet and it's got a bit cloudy as well. So it's not quite as sunny as it was earlier, but it's always good to be at a track. And good to be on another podcast as well. Absolutely. And our second guest is our chief editor, Kevin Turner, who has written about the Autosport Three Hours most recently. Uh, for anyone who's uh, a collector of Autosport magazines, what was that? The what issue was that? I forget. It was a couple of weeks that ago. That was the last uh, week. 27th of April issue, yeah, which was the Thursday after the racing question. There we go. And if you would be so kind as to introduce our special guest for this podcast, please. So it's the man who really made it happen, to be fair. He did all the hard work. It's HSCC's Andy DeCrown. Welcome. How, how are you doing? Welcome. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's uh, wonderful to be here. And as you say, it's nice to be face to face once uh, once well every so often isn't it yeah. you know rather than the zoom calls but yeah thank you for that um it was an interesting event wasn't it yeah we had a very fleeting conversation before the race but andy was much busier than i was so i <laughs> traipsed off throughout the side the back of the, and you're complaining about the clouds that we've got today it's nothing compared to what the weather was like at snetterton uh for the three hours because uh it was it, it was wet. Well, we have some daylight as well. So this is, you know, we are recording this at lunchtime, not at the end as the sun's going down. I think your most memorable comment was, you know, we, we, we were standing on the bank and we were soaking wet and we were thinking about going and then the racing was so good that we stayed. And that, I think, <laughs> epitomises what, the race actually turned out to be so let but let's go back a little bit and lay the table for our audience in terms of the autosport three hours and the the various versions iterations that that event has been through when did that first come about <laughs> well it very first came about for 1957 there we go it was actually part of the autosport championship which is ah, we should do that as well that's what we should do <laughs> is that right one step at a time but yeah and i think it was the season finale for that for a, f- a few years but i mean it, it, uh, and um yeah so it's just yeah sports cars and gts effectively so it ran between 57 and 64 some bloke called jim clark won it a couple of times um it had some big you know some quite big names in it and the 64 events famous for everyone it, it fog descended and uh, and the late Jack Sears in a, in a, a Daytona Cobra basically everyone followed him he was the leader and everyone just went he knows where he's going and they just followed him round in the fog until the organisers went well this is a bit daft and, and they and they can't, the conditions didn't get that bad on, uh, so then um, it stopped in 64 and then uh, I think I was uh, in a role similar to one that Stephen's in in about 2007 I want to say and the HSCC I think Chris Sharples might have been involved in yeah, that stage uh, said oh we'd like to do uh, bring back the all sort of three hours I think that was around the guards trophy so we had Chevron B8s and things which were made sense because of that there was quite a few of them racing at the time it was a successful series etc etc but wasn't perhaps quite in keeping with the the original event but it was quite successful we had um, our Ben Anderson we had chairman Mike, Michael Shriver in a B6 I think they finished fourth um, and it lasted up to about 2015 I think it was and then you know stopped for a while and then yeah uh, I think what the start of this year Andy came to, to me and Stephen said let's let's do it again and this time we're going to stick more to the pre-66 
GT cars, GT, and, not, and we'd had some discussion about the little baby sports prototypes, Lotus 23s and things like that, uh, and we didn't have them in, and actually, I personally quite enjoyed it being a full-on just, just GTs. Uh, well, and the Morgan. Not quite sure what that counts. That's not a sports prototype or sports sports car. Not not really a GT either. But it was quite good to see it in there. But um, yeah, so uh, that's what we ended up with. So we had twenty six cars. I think we did. We did indeed, and we finished twenty six as well, didn't we? Absolutely. Um, the 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 fifties version of this. Some chap called Jim winning it a couple of times. Was there a trophy? Was his name on it? Did that trophy then sit around somewhere? So the whereabouts of the original trophy are unknown, really? unfortunately. Um, but uh, Andy solved that problem, didn't you? I did. I mean, there are there are f- photographs of the alleged um, trophy, but whether it is or it isn't, we're not quite sure. Um, but anyway, we fashioned one as close to that as we could get, and we put all the original names and the winners down on that. <laughs> Um, and then we had a replica made because quite often these things, you know, you give them and you take them away immediately, a bit like the gold cup. Is it? Here you are. This is the gold cup, and you take it back again. Um, but we thought, well, actually, what we'll do is we'll we'll sponsor the cup, um, and then we'll do a replica, and that's for you know somebody to keep. Um, and that seemed to go down quite well, and it was quite a good. It was quite a good overall replica as well, from what we could see of the only photograph we could find. So that's uh, that's the trophy. But let's talk about the entry list. And let's, let's talk about you putting the event on. The beginning of the year, to me, sounds like fantastically short timing to put a grid together. Uh, is that normal? And, and tell us how that process happens. Snetterton is one of our normal um, race meetings in any case and normally comes early in the year. Depending on where Easter sits in each year, we try to get it over when we get into the British summertime because for obvious reasons um, and when the uh, the warmer and not so inclement weather is going to join that didn't happen of course if only we'd have known at the time um, so uh, organizationally it's just the same as we normally do we we advertise we promote we and thank you for your help as well we promote that early on in the year we make sure the year before that we know what our um, events are going to be and we start then um, promoting them through Paul Lawrence through our own magazine um, on our social media and other and other ways of getting that out to the market um, and there was no exception really for the three hour it was a, an embryonic um, race we wanted to bring it back HSCC did run it for some time we don't have uh, an endurance race and we felt that that is something that we could bring back to the market but the other thing that we wanted to bring back was um value for money because so often now you're getting uh, these insurance races which are costing a small fortune to enter so what we wanted to do was try to get it back to a, what was a reasonable uh, entry fee and I think we achieved that. I think it's it's a great idea and it's good having it at the start of the year it's not a championship event so it's a very much a one-off special event and I know Andy was keen to have people that may not traditionally race with the HSCC but be part of this and be real wide wide scale event for the historic racing community and it's just essentially a bit of fun isn't it it's it's a great trophy to compete for look at the previous names that have won it It as we mentioned earlier with the likes of Jim Clark Jack Sears and it's a really interesting way to start the year on on such a fun note and continuing that history and writing some more chapters in the in the story of the Watersport Three Hours 
And Andy mentioned the fact that he wanted uh, an endurance race back as part of the HSCC's portfolio. And we've seen throughout um, UK motorsport just how popular endurance racing is now, right down from the very budget levels up to the uh, the top, just in terms of that ability to share a car with a friend or with someone you know. And it, it's just proven really, really popular. So it makes a lot of sense to... to add an endurance race to the HSCC's portfolio and what better thing to do than to revive one with so much history as the All Sport 3 Hours. And so, Kev, uh, let's talk a little bit about the cars that uh, that we saw racing. Um, so what you when, when Andy wanted to bring this back, what did you think you might see racing and were you pleasantly surprised with all 26 runners? So, I mean, I think the 26 runners that were there were, were fantastic. Yeah, no complaints there. I think I spoke to Andy on the, on the phone a day or two afterwards. I had in my mind, uh, when we first talked about it, the front, I don't know, three rows, say, would be... Cobras and E-types, probably big to your bigger, bigger GT stuff. So a little bit like the the the, the Cobras. In fact, actually, there's a great shot of the 1964 start. I think it might even have got on all sports cover actually, and it's a mix of the sports the sports prototypes, little sports cars, and, and the big GT. So I think I expected more GTs, and I was a bit concerned after qualifying because we got one big GT, which is the TVR, which was on pole by two and a half seconds. You think, oh god. Uh, but then it rained, and then the and then the lands came, and, into the, and, and so there was there was a phalanx of loads of lands, which is yes. fantastic. I mean, they'll outhand they'll outhandle anything basically, um, and we also had uh, a bit of a sort of a, a young pro star, if you like, in Ollie Webb in a, in a Porsche 911, which would never normally be up with the lands and TVRs, and you know, I think if getting into the top ten, you've done a good job. And he came through after like the second flying lap in the wet in fourth. I mean, like, hello. Uh, and they then had a fantastic strategy. So whenever the, the basically you had to have two mandatory stops, driver change, fuel, etc. Uh, although there were, I think there was at least one soloist, wasn't there? But yeah, Horatio Fitzsimmons. Yeah, yeah incredible to. drive, really, considering three hours in that weather. Great yeah, drive. Yeah, he was, wow. he was struggling a little bit towards the end when he was trying to chase Nigel Green, so he had a couple of offs. But after three hours of solo driving those conditions, I think that's fair and enough. I think his disappointment <laughs> was palpable, wasn't it, when we saw him on the... But he was, you know, really, he was he was so tired at the end of that. He says not, but I'm, I've spoken to him since, but good drive, great yeah, drive. Yeah, so, so we had... So we had uh, Ollie Webb making a nuisance of himself in the two litre nine eleven, <laughs> a TBR, and really not the ideal car to be in having those conditions. But obviously, you're going to struggle to overtake one uh, with the power and spray that's chucking out. So it, yeah, it made for an interesting, it made for an interesting start, and just at the right time, there's a safety car, and, and Ollie dived in and hand over to the, to the owner, and then they were able to do the same thing later. And essentially, the the other front running teams, I'm, I'm never quite sure, Andy, was it because they didn't have the fuel range or they just didn't think fit quickly enough on their feet to come in at the same time as the Porsche. I think it took uh, people by surprise. Yeah. I think that's what it was. It, I, I, they certainly had the fuel um, and the range didn't seem to be as much of a problem as I perceived, to be honest with but, you. But the Porsche guys both times absolutely it, got nailed it. it. And nailed it, bought it. Them, I think each time it basically bought them a lap and 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 the owner, whose name escapes me at the moment, Guy Zeta. I mean, obviously he wasn't as quick as Ollie. Ollie's a, a professional sports car driver. Um, but he kept the car on the island, sounded nice too, uh, and pitted the right times. And so you've got this, going into the last 50-odd minutes, you've got Ollie back in the 911, in the lead, being caught gradually by the um, by the soloist, Dylan, 
and then Nigel Greensill getting in the quickest of the Alans, or at least it was when he was driving it, charging from a long way further back, and you're sort of doing. The th- and this is why people weren't going home. So we, I was part of a small all sport party, one of whom no longer of this parish wanted to leave early and didn't leave early. <laughs> How dare they? How dare they? How <laughs> joined us on the bank for the last half an hour, um, having hidden in his car for some time, keeping dry. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it, it was kind of building quite nicely and then there was a late safety car, which I think probably just gave, you know, Greensill was never going to be held back then and he he came through and, and won. So it was in the land one, two, and then the, the uh, Webb was third in the 911 and I think the TVR had a slow, slow, late pit stop just wasn't quite just wasn't quite in the pits at the right times quite quick enough didn't have a Nigel Green stalled in the pits didn't he if, stalled in the pits yeah, yeah. I mean Ollie Rubens obviously a quick driver you know put it on pole but um, but yeah so they not so we didn't get the one big banger on the podium no so they get a couple of Alans a 911 a TVR and the Morgan which also was very well driven and pitted at all the right moments that's quite a nice eclectic mix of cars at the front so it was it made for a really good finish so the last I think at the end, the top three cars were covered by forty odd seconds. Yes, yeah, it was very close. Hours, so it was, very close. Yeah, it was. It was really. Yeah, it was good. It was a good spectacle, I would say. And I think. And I think. Sorry, Steve. I think when uh, at the end of the race, when we we stopped them in um, pit lane to 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 basically for the drivers to come out and go to the podium, and of course, Jack's daughter gave the cup away, which was even better. That was kind of a surprise for us. We 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 hoped it was going to happen, but it but it but it did happen. It all came together. Um, but when we got them out of the car in the pit lane, and the I don't know, the atmosphere, the euphoria of the drivers. I mean, it was wet, wasn't it? I mean, it was chugging it down it suddenly lifted for a second while we were doing the prizes which was great um but the euphoria amongst the drivers the handshaking the um the the all of that camaraderie that was going on there were no judicials there were no incidents to speak of that we had to look at it was just plain good fun motor racing with a great outcome and people saying to us please do it again please do it again it was run to the, it was run and competed in the spirit that you'd hope for, wasn't Indeed. it? I think it's probably there. Better than we'd hope uh, for, if yeah. I'm honest with uh, you. Yes. And actually, even if you're just out on the bank, so quite apart from the race itself, like who's gonna win, just to see someone like Ollie Webb in a nine eleven, obviously you were talking skinny tires compared to modern race cars, you know, sort of drifting coming through the the you know, the, the, the Nelson Brundle, the S's as we used to call them before they changed the names. He'd be drifting through the left. He'd get and he'd finish the drift at just the right point to be on the right, the right part left hand side of the circuit to turn in for the right hand. It's just a joy to watch. And Nigel Greensill, he's just a nutter. Like the amount of the the the, the speed, the speed that he was prepared to take into the corners in the Elan in those conditions was you know pretty amazing. Um, and the Marcos actually was good to watch as well. Indeed, there indeed. Callum Grant in there towards the he end. Was, he, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, it was. It was. Pick out the drivers. Yeah, he and his father. Yeah, it was a very, very good race, and they are and they're very competent. But yeah, Callum, he's, he's quick, yeah, very so quick. You, yeah, you can you can see all these things. So we would like to do it again, and next time we should try and make it so it doesn't clash with a British touring car meeting so that Stephen can come along as well. Yeah, so I was gutted to miss out on it, especially as it was such a close and entertaining race. Your and absence was noted. <laughs> <laughs> Black market gets one. Yeah. <laughs> but you were mentioning the the sort of eclectic machinery at the front and the variety, and that was throughout the grid. So there's a whole range of MGBs that were competing yes, for their own sort of award within the race. And there was even a couple of Gilburn GTs as well in there and Austin Heelys and just a real mix of of different cars and I guess moving forward now you you want to sort of grow this from from here Andy and 
bring it, make sure it's a an annual event once more. Well, yes. I mean, if you're if you're for, up for it, so are we. I think that we've proven that that can that it can work. I mean, there's always the the, the monetary side of it, which we have to we have to kind of mention, don't we? Um, but it worked. It worked in on a number of levels. We'd like to do it again. I would like to get the Cobra Daytonas, perhaps, and some other out there. But I think that probably the success of the meeting will. It's certainly gone around um, the industry and around the, the paddocks. And I think next time we'll see if we keep the pricing right and, and we're not too fastidious in terms of what the regulations need to be. So it's an open, it's an open race rather than tyre control and all the other things. The pit stops worked very well. We had the refuelling. With the, obviously, we were compliant with MSUK regs, but we had, we'd had some... We'd worked all of this out, and it did work very, very well. So the answer, yes, we're going to do it again, um, hopefully, with with your permission. But I think we're all on the same page on this one, aren't we? It was a success in many ways, and it should be repeated. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with all that. My one question I had for you, really, which just occurred to me during the course of the day, was it was a, the rest of the programme on the Sunday was very much single-seater orientated. And I did wonder whether there might be something to be gained for have, from having a couple of uh, other non-single-seater, you know, GT-type things so that people might be inclined to enter two races. Or Then if you're doing a three-hour race, you're not going to want to enter two races anyway. But I wondered if there might be a bit of that. And also, from the spectator point of view, it felt very single-seatery and then a GT race. Um, yeah, I think that's probably fair comment. Um, we had some guest series with Monoposto didn't we the previous year with yeah, no, very, this is very much. no I mean, it is series. no it is what it, I, I think it is what it is you you look at your championships as a club and you have to say which which are the most favorite circuits and it tends to be that um, Snetterton is very is a firm favorite with the with the open wheelers I, I take your point um, I'm not so sure that we'd end up with more cars entering the three no. hour if we had end because I think you know that's a lot of wear and tear on a car but um Yes, I mean, of course, we switched, haven't we, from the 300 on the Saturday to the 200 on the Sunday. That kind of worked as well. And we had to get people in and out in those, in those two days because there were some preferences um, from, our, from our drivers um, to, to what circuit they wanted to race on. But that seemed to work quite nicely as well. I really like the 200 circuit because that feels more... I know, I know the original Snetterton obviously went off and had a yeah. parallel with the A11 or whatever it was and then came back. Um, so it's not exactly the same. I thought the 200 is much closer to what I consider to be the Snetterton, which is the one up to, yeah, the traditional Snetterton. I say with the benefit uh, of hindsight, had it been the 300 in that weather, I think it would have been a, it would have been a horrific. Um, I, I think it was it is a better circuit. For me, I like it better. I, I, I think so. I was at the, I think it was the 2015 three hours. Uh, I think, was it Martin O'Connell, possibly? Uh, actually, I think it clashed with Le Mans because I missed, missed, missed Nick Tandy winning Le Mans, which is most irritating. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I think that was wet and that was on the 300. Mm. And that, it, it, didn't, it didn't work doesn't, as well as it, as it did it, it, the it other weekend. It doesn't gel. And we, if on, the, on the, um, the, the, the earlier open wheel races, of course, um, we did have some issues, did we not, in terms of the visibility was one of the main issues, um, which we had to abandon one of the races there because of that. But of course, with the GTs... Um, kept the rain down it wasn't that plume uh, of water that was left hanging in the air so um, yes but point taken we'll have a look at that the sort of message is now out there that this race is back and it's always difficult when you are introducing a new race new championship new series new concept yes this is a 
reviving an old one. But it's always tricky that first year just to get people completely convinced that this is something that, to get involved with. Now you've had that first one under your belt and it went so well, considering the conditions, it puts you in a really good point really good place now moving forward um, to have that really successful first event un- under your belt yeah I, th- I think 26 entries was fantastic don't get me wrong but of course we could have run another 10 cars so I think that, that that hopefully next year we'll get that extra 10 cars and we'll get that eclectic mix back in and we'll get dry weather um, <laughs> and all of those things sure together that. <laughs> yeah. as, well, a, as, a, as a Norfolk lad myself having driven past Netherton far too many times I can only apologise for the Norfolk weather um, well, I just say I do think it made the race this time. It'll like, do. Yeah. It'll do what the, the weather um, will do. What the weather does in East Anglia, but um, and it it will be great and uh, and raining, you know, most of the year. Uh, but it is a great leveler when you've got though that different type of machinery on the grid, isn't it? it? Yeah, it did make a difference. And I think I think yeah, just to back up what yeah what Stephen's saying, it's proof of concept, isn't it? And now people have seen that it's there, and you know we've got we've got time to more time to think about it now and what you know, how we can help you and 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 get together and yeah, for, if you've got a pre sixty six GT car in there, enter the race. If you need a guest, if you need a co-driver, we'll Autosport will help you find one. Yes. We've, we we know quite a few racing drivers. We'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll stick a pro, or we've even got our resident driver. If it's something low, we talked about getting Stefan Macklin an MGB. I think probably a TVR or a Cobra. He probably would not be so keen on. But we've got <laughs> we've got quite a few sort of um, friendly pros that we could, and then we do features. Well, we had Martin Stretton, didn't we? I yeah, mean, Martin, you know, you know yeah. Martin came along. That, so that was well appreciated as well. I think there are other the clashes because we were up against the um, members meet, weren't we as well? And the cars coming out the weekend before yeah. and our, and and that all has a bearing. Yeah, uh, it's a week after Good and a week before Donington. Yeah, that's it? right. So, that's right. Um, so. It, um, but it's always tricky, isn't it? We're in that position where there are so many events, it's almost impossible not to clash or not to immediately it, follow it, something somewhere. Know, st- isn't sticking it? that pin on the, on, on the donkey or the tail of the donkey, you know, you're never quite <laughs> sure when you do it because you're doing this a year in advance mostly. We're negotiating for next year already and we've already got dates in the diary, and that's very difficult when then suddenly people delay in coming forward with their dates. So you're always. Uh, and, and then they move the British Grand Prix and yeah, then that uh, moves yeah. Goodwood and then the uh, drawing cars have to move and yeah. then suddenly there's a knock-on effect throughout club racing and everyone has to run around finding new slots. Yeah. Well, just a little word, actually, if you would, on the kind of people that enter these events for our listeners, for those curious about what you do and the the wider role with historics. Kev, you mentioned uh, Guy Zisser with the, the 911. Um, a handy driver, owner driver, but bringing in somebody who uh, can help go the, the car go a bit quicker. What are the kind of entries that you get? Who are the kind of people that run these cars and, and the kind of the community that comes together to keep these cars on the track and, and doing what you do? It's all sorts. I, I, you can't really pin it down into any, any one particular type of person. You've got at one end, you've got the fabulously rich, let's be, let's be honest, who, who've got the teams, uh, the wherewithal, the coaches, the drivers that go with it. Um, and then you've got the grassroots racer at the other end, competing on a maybe a shoestring, um, in terms of uh, you know the, both the car and the money that's available, and yet they're both competitive. Um, yes, there's advantages to having lots of money and to throw out a particular car in terms of its setup, but not always is that um, is that a winning car. It, it very much depends. So the quick answer is we get every. All sorts, all shapes and sizes, all nationalities, um, you know, um, 
men, women, uh, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's all equal as far as the day. When you get out on circuit, it all, I think it becomes equal. As long as the regulations are right, and most particularly, I think, as long as the driving standards are controlled properly. And that's what brings people to us a lot of the time, is that, that we control the driving standards. Because I think you will agree that meeting... Given the weather conditions, there weren't driving standards issues, were there? Not that there were visible. I mean, obviously, when everybody was darting around all over the place and trying to find the grip wherever grip was. Um, but we didn't have collisions. We didn't have incidents on circuit um, per se. Um, not that more than you would expect. So I think that's that's an important part of the business as well. Yeah. And then how do you manage that uh, community to, to bring people together regularly enough to ensure that these cars stay on the track? I think that's the difficult one now, isn't it? We were just talking outside of the uh, outer side of this um, podcast and we were saying about looking at the meeting that's going on here and looking about the numbers. And it is now incredibly difficult, really, with whatever's going on in the world and whatever we label we put onto it, about why the numbers seem to be coming down. And that's certainly last year they did, and early indications, although there were 255 cars at Snetterton, which was a really good opening event but our Cadwell event this coming weekend is not so well subscribed for obvious reasons you know, the, the king didn't actually talk to us before he decided he was going to get his <laughs> coronation was going to be this weekend but um, but actually it is the numbers uh, and it's keeping the numbers up and the, the only way you can do that is by offering a better um, a, a, a better service perhaps mm. Um, and appealing to a wider audience than just your own club members. I think that's the way to go. These are the cars to go and see on track. And Kevin, you you and I have talked about this. I drive, my wife and I drive electric cars. We have solar panels. I have a home battery. I'm as techie as you like. I can't pass a tree without hugging it. And yet, if, if you complain about where <laughs> motorsport is going in terms of electrification of Formula One or whatever, and you complain about, well, the noise isn't very good on Formula E. Well, when was the last historic race or last meeting you went to? And then, and then come back and tell me that you don't enjoy going to see cars racing because actually... That is the direction that perhaps modern motorsport, well, it's definitely the direction modern motorsport will go as long as big car manufacturers are wanting to reflect what they're selling on the road with what's going on on track. But historics is something that I don't think gets enough attention with enough people. Well, I think this is something that motorsport does badly. We tend to argue, it, fans of individual categories or branches of sport just argue with other fans that their one's better. Oh, sports cars are better than F1, touring cars are more, blah, blah. When actually we should be saying to the wider world, all of this is motorsport. This is all brilliant. You know, and there'll be something in it for you. And if you like, you know, different shapes, eclectic grids, lots of noise, and a historic meeting is... And going to a club event, a historic event, it's cheap compared to almost any any other pursuit you can do at a weekend now. So it really is. Uh, oh, trust me, my five-year-old loves Peppa Pig World at the moment. Ex- and that's, uh, exactly. I'm going to tell you that can, you know, that can get a little bit, yeah. Club, club, club racing operates in a way that doesn't rely on spectators. But that doesn't mean that it shouldn't have them because I think there is there to be, there is some spectating to be had. Um, so yeah, I would I would encourage you to go along and, along and have a look. I mean, actually, having just 
uh, question of the single seater element of the Sunday that included Formula Forts, historic Formula Forts, which you know Stefan Mackley isn't here at the moment, so I'll do his job for him. Like, the racing was mega. Like, the, you know, the, I think it was decided pretty much on the line, sixty-six thousandths of a second or something. Decided one of the races, so you know, get close racing because there's no there's no slicks and wings nonsense. Listen, you raise yeah. an interesting point. I think that that. The, 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 in terms of skin in the game for the spectator, we love the spectators to come, but quite often the venues are not pushing that as much. You know, so if you take France, the way that that would work, um, at, um, their recent historic, um, fifty-five thousand spectators. Um, and they get a percentage of the cut. So they actually, well, in fact, they get all of the cut. They buy the circuit, including the spectators. So they actually promote the whole thing. We don't do that. In the UK, we rely upon the circuit to basically fill up the venue with people based on the racing that you get. And I think that's a shame. I think that promoters, race owners, etc., should work together to try and build that back in because you will see lots of spectators at certain events. Let's take um, the festival or the classic as we know it. We'll see, what, 100,000 plus spectators for essentially what is an historic event, isn't it? And they love it. But when you get a club event, which can be... As, you know, the weather is obviously it's weather dependent. I, I get that, but you can have some fantastic racing at Silverstone when you use the GP circuit. We're here in a few weeks. That will be some fantastic racing, and I'd say to anybody, come out. It's not dear. You're right. I think it's what fifteen pounds entry, something like that. Yeah, uh, so much. It's not. It's not a lot of money. Can't even get around at a pub. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely can't get around at a pub for that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, what's the best way for people if they're listening to this and being like, you know what, I'm going to give that, I'm going to give that a go this year. What's the best way to follow what what you do and 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 to and to find out more information? Simple. You just go online. You look for the HSCC. We've got our own website. We've got our own um, Facebook, Instagram. You name it. We've got every social media you can do. But go online. You can get all of our details. Contact me. I'll speak to anybody about anything <laughs> at any time, really, because we're passionate about what we do at the HSCC. So that's the way to get to us and also get just go to an event go to an event just go and see for yourself you know you're there there's enough you know the historic sports car club is in my opinion one of the best ones but there's the classic sports car club there's all it doesn't have to be historic it could just be a 750 motor club you know clubby event pick a track near you on a sunny saturday or sunday and go along and just watch some watch some racing for not a lot of money and go actually i might come to some more of these or maybe i'll go and buy, buy a car yeah, i mean and and, and, and that's one thing about this kind of club motor racing is F1 can be so sterilised. It can be, you can't get in the park for, well, you can't get in the but you can't get in the paddock, you can't do this. What you can do with the historic meeting, the clubby meetings, you can get into the paddock, you can ask the drivers for their opinion, you can mix it, you can get the poke and touch the things, actually. And that's the great thing about the, the, um, the classic, or now the festival, where you can come in and mix with drivers, teams, cars, you can write up close and personal a lot different from some of the sterilised stuff we see in Formula One and other. And you'd be surprised at the names that turn up yes, sometimes. You do see if you like Adrian f- Reynard is just like he, yes, he, indeed. I mean, see a few faces. You know, the pe- walking pe- past you. Pe- right? lot, there's a lot of knowledge and interesting yeah. people and cars, and you know, it's 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 worth it's worth a look. You know, you might not, you know, the, the particular one you find might not be the era or type of car you want. So try 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 a different one. They'll be, you know, there. I always throw this this at Stephen, and uh, he probably got bored of me mentioning it was two hundred and forty odd championships on series in the country now. Like, there's got to be. If you like things go cars, there's bound to be something. There's so much to go. Just go and 
be part of that community. I think it was. It might have even been here. I was just uh, chatting to some of the old Lotus mechanics yep. that have been doing it for the past thousand years, and and these are fascinating old boys to talk to. Not necessarily all the old boys, but they'll happily. You can start having a conversation with anyone, and you, it's amazing what you learn and just pick up. And they've they've done everything. There's nothing they haven't done. It's funny though, isn't it? It's about the nostalgia. If you walk around Silverstone, look at the pictures of the of the drivers. They're all historic drivers now, aren't they? To, 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 you know, they're not, yes, you've got Lewis, you, but the rest of them, they're on the walls. They're all historic drivers. Um, and, and we're losing a lot of that knowledge because obviously people are getting older. Um, and grab it while you can, I think. Absolutely. Well, there you go. If you want to find out more, you know how to do that uh, now. Thank you very much for listening uh, to this edition of the Autosport podcast. If you'd like to read what uh, we wrote about the Autosport three hours, you can do that from previous issues of the magazine. If you are a subscriber and you, like me, have a little collection of magazines uh, that you flick through, then it'll be in your pile. And if you do the digital thing, then, of course, you can find all your back issues as your PDFs online at autosport.com. And if you go to uh, the website autosport.com, you can find out all the details uh, about how to subscribe to Autosport. Plus, that's our subscriber area where we have all of our best long reads and analysis. And you can even sign up for your first month free for the first 30 days to see what that is all about. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network.